better because I can't give up. Gotta keep moving forward because I can't get stuck. Don't know how to express all them things that I feel. Sometimes I wonder to myself, man, is this all even real? But then I realize that my faith's in God's hands and that this pain has a purpose. It's all a part of his plan, yeah. What's up and welcome to The Hallway with your host, Kent Thornquist. I'm excited to be here with you today and I'm excited to release episode four of the podcast. Thank you for being patient with me the last couple of weeks as I took time to enjoy my family, just relax. We sat at a lake, sat out in the sun on a beach. Very, very good time, my wife and my daughter. And it was very much so needed just for me to just sit back. It was honestly my first vacation I've taken in a year and I really needed it. So thank you for being patient in that process. I'm excited to be back now. And the topic for today is one that is always heavy on my heart because it's something that I've been dealing with for a very long time. And the topic for today is addiction. I've had a lot of addictions over my lifetime. And I want to bring these to the surface because I don't think we talk about our struggles enough. And going back to one of the definitions I've heard when it comes to struggle, when someone says, I'm struggling with something, struggling means a violent resistance to something. You know, I cracked this joke one time when I was out somewhere sharing my testimony and this guy was doing jumping jacks and he was flailing his arms up and down, just violently doing these jumping jacks as fast as he could. And I cracked the joke while I was preaching and I said, man, that guy was struggling. You know, that's what it looks like when we struggle. And I've been struggling with addictions for a very long time where I'm actively resisting this thing. You know, when someone says, I'm struggling with substance abuse, but yet it's very evident in their life that they're not resisting it, I wouldn't say you're struggling with it. You're walking in that addiction. So today, I wanted to highlight just some of the things I've learned. I think that, and I talked about this early on, some people think that they know everything under the sun and they can never learn anything from anyone else, right? Then you have other people who actually have value in what they're going to say, and yet they don't talk about it, you know? And sometimes it's stuff like age, right? Well, I'm too young, you know? I'm only 18, 19, you know, 29 years old. What would I know about addiction? And I think that's such a dangerous mindset. And I think it's important to remember that we can add value to other people despite age or education, I have had the opportunity in my life to be around a lot of people who have struggled with addictions. And I've been someone that has struggled and I still to this day struggle with addictions. Now, I have some issue or issues with some of the terminology that some addiction support groups might use, right? I do believe that Jesus can set me free from my addictions. I believe that. You know, so I don't subscribe to the idea of once an addict, always an addict in every capacity. I firsthand seen God deliver me from hardcore drug addictions, just like that, overnight. Gave my life to Christ, April 3rd, 2015. Never done a hardcore drug since. Don't even think about doing hardcore drugs. Wouldn't even want anything to do with it, right? So I don't subscribe to that necessarily for the believer because I believe that God has the power to do miraculous things. Having said that though, addictions are very, very difficult to break. There are still addictions that I have that I'm battling my way through and I'm struggling my way through. 
And so what I want to talk about today is just some of the things that I've learned as I've gone through this process. So what does that process of sobriety look like? I went through a season of four or five years of drinking until I felt absolutely horrible. And then I'd swear I'm going to stop and I'd do good for a couple weeks and then I'd go back to it and I kept this process up and I was hiding it from almost everyone around me. Or so I thought, I'm sure there were people in that season that were like, you weren't hiding anything. I knew you were an alcoholic. And it was basically, it was 2019 that it hit me that I was on a path of destruction with this addiction. And I did go to AA for a little bit, but I, I started this process of continuously seeking God to help me with my addiction. And I've been sober since September 26, 2019, I believe. And I butcher that date all the time. And I always crack the joke that I'm actually glad I can't remember that date because that tells you how long it's been. But I believe it was September 26, 2019 that I got sober. And what happened was I, I ran into people in my life that I saw them later on in life. And no disrespect to anyone, but I saw some people later on in life and I was like, man, God, I don't want to be that, you know, I don't want to have three DUIs under my belt and felony charges. I don't want to deal with any of that stuff, God. And so I went through this process of getting sober. I also went through this process of stopping other addictions that I had along the way. And what I found out if there's like one valuable piece of information that anyone can take away from this, it's going to be that we all have this garden in our hearts and that some of the roots of addiction go deeper than others. And I learned this process through therapy. I'm a huge advocate for therapy. And I believe I don't keep up because every month is a different thing these days, but I believe we just ended with men's mental health awareness. I think yesterday was National Air Conditioning Appreciation Day or something like that. But I'm glad that we do highlight men's mental health because I, I'm a really big advocate for it. I've been in therapy for, I think, five years now. I've been going consistently to one of two therapists during that time, and it's helped me. And the first therapist I went to taught me about this garden in my heart and how some addictions just go a lot deeper than others. So, and this is not an addiction, but take, take cussing, for instance. I've been cussing since I was like five or six years old. Sorry, mom, you already knew it though, right? But I've been cussing since I was five or six years old. I still struggle not to cuss to this day. The root went very deep. I started doing hardcore drugs at 16 years old after my dad died. I stopped doing hardcore drugs at 21, and I don't have any struggles around them. The roots were not very deep. I could go into several more examples of different things in my life that the roots go a lot deeper. They go all the way back to my early childhood, and that I'm still struggling with and resisting and working my way through to this day. So it's good to examine what in our lives has really deep roots and what has shallow roots. And it's going to be a process. And I love, I call it chasing my addictions. And at this point, it's a real thing for me that I'm always trying to chase like the next addiction because I really don't want to be that person that's addicted to a bunch of different things, you know? And I hope that no one 
like lets their pride go to their head in this way and they're like, oh, I don't have any addictions. Because addictions can be shopping, they can be food, which I think is probably something that's not talked about considering obesity rates and type 2 diabetes in this country. But food on Sunday mornings at the church when you grab four or five donuts, that can also be an addiction just so we're on the same page. In the exact same way that that person judges the alcoholic who's coming in, probably need to look in the mirror a little bit and maybe you know remove something from your eye, right? Because there are a lot of different addictions. And I'm not saying that to cast any judgment on anyone because I struggle with uh, food-type addictions. And I want the body of believers to look at addiction as a collective. You know, there's people out there that have wild addictions that they'll never talk about, you know. And so the roots can go really deep. And so every person needs to review their lives and ask God to examine their lives to figure out what are my addictions. Now, going back to my concept of chasing my addictions, I love the season I'm in right now and I hate it at the exact same time because it's the first time in my life that anytime something happens, I just lost a loved one recently and I have to work my way through that pain sober. That is extremely hard to do. I can't mask it behind drugs or alcohol or going out and spending $500 on a shopping spree or gorging myself with food to make me feel better. My goal is to face it head on, feel everything that I'm supposed to feel, process it in a healthy way, and respond accordingly. And I want that to be my response to stress and loss and issues. I want my response to be appropriate. And when you're struggling with addictions, Typically, your response is not going to be the best response you could have. So I also want to talk about from a witnessing perspective. When we are able to do that, we're able to face trials of various kinds like James talked about. And we do that in a way that doesn't have to pull from all these different addictions. It's an awesome opportunity to witness. I went out the other night. I talked about how I, I lost a loved one. And I went out. And I was mourning the loss of someone I love very, very deeply. And I watched how other people process that loss. And I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do anything. I was able to sit back and just feel everything that I was supposed to feel. And I had the opportunity to witness to several people around me. Because what they saw was I was processing the loss of a loved one just like they were in a different way and in a way that was not destructive. It's not destructive to myself, and it's not destructive to anyone around me. And someone asked me, I had this guy come up to me, and he said, you didn't drink tonight, you didn't do any drugs, I haven't seen you talking to any women, you know. How, how did you, you know, get to this point? And I shared with him that I just noticed that anytime my response to stress or just, you know, trials, if my response was unhealthy, there was probably some type of addiction there. And through therapy and through constant communication with God, I've continued to chase these addictions and tried to get free from them. And it was really cool because this person was telling me how they don't think that they're an addict. 
because they could quit tomorrow, which I say that exact same thing. So I was kind of laughing, not at the person. I was laughing with the person. But I was like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. I've been there thinking that I could quit something tomorrow. And we went through the process like, well, how did you really know, though, that you were an addict? You know, what was what were some of the warning signs? And we talked about my drunk driving accident. You know, we talked about blowing money on different stuff. And I, I told him that it's something I learned recently in therapy was that some people, and catch this real good, some people in your life will tell you you are not an addict because if you're an addict and you drink three or four times a week, well, then surely they have to be an addict because they drink five, six, seven, or more times in a week, right? If we say we are an addict, I said it the other day, I told someone, I said, I'm a food addict. And they were like, well, I'm pretty sure you're a personal trainer with 16% body fat. So if you're a food addict, what does that make me, right? Because it causes us to look in the mirror. Now, it's not healthy for someone to try to like take that away from me and tell me I'm not an addict because I can tell that I, I have addictive tendencies towards food. This person, the roots might go a little bit deeper with that though. You know, for me, I don't have as deeper roots with that issue as I do some other ones. But people often don't want to look in the mirror when it comes to their addictions. They don't want to hear you talk about it. Heck, let's talk about the fact that some people don't want to see you do better than them. Now, they want to see you do good. I had friends that were like, oh, man, you gave your life to Jesus. That's cool. I'm not a Christian, but that's cool. You know, oh, you're getting sober, I guess. All right, that's that's all right. Oh, you're going back to college. You're getting married. You're doing these different things. Once you pass them up, then they don't want anything to do with you. Now they want to talk about you. Well, he thinks he's better than other people. He thinks he's better than me because he doesn't do those things, right? That's when people actually start hating on you because people want to see you do good. People don't want to see you do better than them. And that's one of the hardest realities to face. As an addict, when you start to get clean, the people around you might start to pull you down because they don't want to look in the mirror themselves. And it was really funny. The guy I was talking to the other night, he came back over. He was pretty intoxicated. He started slapping me in the chest and he said, hey, hey, I've been watching you since we talked and I figured something out about you. I was like, yeah, what'd you figure out? He said, you actually, you didn't beat those addictions. Like you didn't beat anything. And I was like, okay, you're going to have to enlighten me on that because I think I did, but keep talking. And he said, yeah, yeah, I realized you didn't beat anything. You're still an addict to this day. You just substituted out one addiction for the other. And he hit the nail on the head because one of my first therapy sessions, my therapist told me, you will always be an addict. But what you need to do is basically substitute out an unhealthy addiction for a healthy addiction. So you take the addiction of drug use. You get stressed out at your job, so you go and you do drugs. Or you get stressed out at home and you go and drink. I substituted that to where I added in workouts in the evening. So if I have a rough day at work, I go to the gym, even if it's my second time there that day. And I do... Uh, mediocre workout. 
even if I just go to the gym and I sit on a piece of equipment and I text for 30 minutes. Now, don't start being a hater, all right? I don't do that all the time. I also go to a really small gym, so I'm not holding up the bench while someone else is waiting to do it. But if I do that, it's a better response to my stress than the alcohol or drugs were. So I looked at him. I said, you hit the nail on the head. I, when I say chasing my addictions, I believe I will always have an addictive personality. Now, I don't always believe in the, I will always be an addict to this exact thing, but I always will be addicted to something. So I better be addicted to healthy things. I better be addicted to hiking or riding my bike or reading books or swimming or working out or digging into God's word. There's healthy addictions out there. Now there are unhealthy things within healthy addictions, right? If you do bodybuilding and you happen to take steroids, then that can be an unhealthy, you know, add on to the addiction. But the general rule of thumb being I'm going to go to the gym and walk on a treadmill for 15 minutes and I'm going to do strength training for 20 minutes. And that's going to be my response. Instead of doing drugs, that is 10 times better than those other things. I told him you hit the nail on the head. My addictions now are so much healthier than my addictions back then. And it was an awesome witnessing opportunity. And one thing that I kept thinking these last few days as I processed how I was going to talk about this podcast was that I cannot allow my sobriety to be based on my circumstances. I talked about the definition of happy recently. And it's that you like your circumstances. As a result of liking my circumstances, therefore, I am happy. I cannot allow my circumstances to navigate my life for me because my circumstances change way too much. My circumstances can change in an instant. So my sobriety cannot be linked to what's going on around me. This is a crazy world that we live in. And as a result of that madness, I can't connect and I can't allow my sobriety to rely solely on my circumstances. But the biggest part of all this is going to be based around my foundation. That's the biggest thing I've changed. Okay, so you go back to four or five years, you know, as I'm working through this process of getting sober, it was building my foundation on Christ. And there's so much scripture about that, right? The wise builder and the foolish builder. I had to build my foundation on Jesus. And it was really in the last four years that I started to walk out this Christian walk with my foundation being built on Christ. That's the biggest part of it. Things happen in life. My foundation cannot be built on my wife, on my daughter, on my job. It can't be built on any of those things because my wife could decide to leave me today. My daughter will eventually get old enough to possibly where she wants nothing to do with me. I could get fired or feel like I need to quit my job tomorrow. And if my identity is wrapped up in those things and my sobriety is attached to those things that are circumstantial in some ways, 
then that's a dangerous place to be in my walk. I need my foundation to be on Christ and Christ alone because Christ never changes. He loves me the same today, same way he will tomorrow. And it's been a long road and I've never once in my walk felt like Christ didn't love me even in the middle of all my sin. And just going back to that idea real quick, just to highlight, I didn't come to Christ with my life cleaned up. I came to Christ and he cleaned me up. I came to him just as screwed up as I was and he cleaned me up. He has taken me through a process. I'm still in that process. I'm a work in progress, but Christ is cleaning me up. And it's the same thing with my addictions. One of my good friends told me, eventually you'll need a telescope to look back and see how far God has brought you. And I've been saved eight years now, and it feels like I need that telescope to look back and go, wow, God, look at you. Not look at me. I don't want this episode to be a reflection of, man, that's awesome, Kent, that you're so strong-willed. You were able to get free from your addictions. I wouldn't have been able to do any of this if it wasn't for my foundation. Christ delivered me from my hardcore drug addiction immediately, but every other addiction that I've been freed from did not come until after I placed my foundation to be on Christ. It was once my foundation was Christ that then I was able to get free from some of these addictions. And it's only through continued relationship with Christ that I will be able to be free from the addictions I'm currently dealing with. And so that's my hope, is this episode will point back to Christ as the one who can help you in this process. And you don't have to clean up your life. We come to Christ We acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. We ask him for forgiveness for our sins. And he will start that process of cleaning up your life. And he'll do it at a pace that he knows is going to work for you. The pace that worked for me looks way different for you. Because the garden in my heart is not the same garden that's in your heart. And just like a father who knows his children and knows the different love languages of each child, God knows what you need to help you in this process. And so that's my concluding thought. Our foundation is on Christ. My sobriety cannot be linked to my circumstances that are constantly changing. And what I need to do to get help is to call out to him. Then once I've done that, I need to reach out to others. That's the first and most important step in this is a relationship with Christ. But having people around you is critical for this. I was going through the ringer on Friday. Thankfully, I've got friends that I can reach out to. I've got an incredible pastor who mentors me through this process and relentlessly pursues me because he knows that I'm as hard-headed as they possibly come. So he's constantly checking up on me. It's like, come on, leave me alone. I'm fine. But afterwards, it's like, man, I'm so glad I got that. You know, or friends who are like, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? Are you okay? Because they understand where I come from. My wife, who is able to process and she knows me, give me a little bit of space. Let me sit in this for a little bit as I'm going through something. I need those people around me. 
So I need Christ first and foremost. I need a body of people around me who love me and care about me and they want to see me at my best version. And then I need to utilize the resources that God has put here, like counseling and therapy, to help me in my addictions. And I need to establish different barriers that are going to stop me along the way as my addictive personality might be looking down some of those alleyways. And so bringing us all back to the hallway, if you go and you look at the podcast cover, I'm in the hallway and there's different doors. Those can be some of the addictions that are going to pull me into these doors that I'm not supposed to go into. But instead, with clear vision, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed at the door at the end of the hallway that God's calling me into. So my hope and prayer for anyone that watches this, if you struggle with anything that I talked about, and I hope you don't feel like there was any judgment involved in this, but hopefully we can examine ourselves, remembering that we are very biased, but examine yourself and then ask God to examine your life and point out to you and make known to you through the power of the Holy Spirit, what are some opportunities in your walk when it comes to these addictions? Because once we start compromising these, one addiction just leads to another that leads to another that leads to another. And when I say chasing the addictions, trying to be free from these and find healthy substitutes for them. And this might not land for every person. You're like, you know what, man? I can't relate to this episode of the podcast because I'm not really an addict. That's fine. You probably know one. You might know one in your family. You might have a friend who's an addict. Reach out to them. Share this episode with them. And hopefully they can understand that God wants to see us at our healthiest. You know, we are his children. He wants us to be healthy and free from these things. And he's right there ready to help us out. Thank you for watching today's episode. And I'm very excited to get this one out there as it's one of my favorite things to talk about because it's one of the things that I've seen the most growth in my life from. Having a firm foundation built on Christ that has helped me to clean up my life day by day by day. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you next week.